...nations from all over. The wily Vatican, the possessive Louvre, the spinsterish National Gallery, a retinue of geopolitical clichés. The curator herself, blonde, willowy Ana de los Angeles, hailed from Chile, and besides her native Spanish, spoke Italian, German, and English with an annoying accented charm. Thin hands, too. Claire remembered thinking her own unkind cliché about her, and smiled. You look like a Leonardo face, caught in a private joke. It was Tobias. He gave her a wan grin. Toby, she said, kissing his cheek. Is Peter here? No, he said, drawing it out. He looked around as if to check. He won't be here. The way he said this, with more ostinato to his sighing than usual, prompted her to ask if anything were wrong. He looked at her and held her eye. He's left me. He gulped some wine, his glass holding a smear of fingerprints glinting from the flickers. Toby, I'm so sorry. Is it true? True as can be. When? Yesterday. Well, he told me yesterday. She flashed back to her own similar scene, when Peter had told her he was A, gay, and B, leaving. C, Toby, was the third revelation. The kind of tableau vivant one always carries, like a fire, a catastrophe, a crash. Here, though, she felt the hint of, well, not triumph, exactly. Yes, actually, triumph. Ha! So now he's left you, too, she thought. What she said, though, was, has he moved out? He hasn't moved out. It's... it's awkward. Toby and Peter lived together about ten blocks north of her, at 104th Street, an apartment of clashing interests and brokered taste. She wondered who was going to give up the place or be forced out. He hailed a passing waiter, finally, and snared a fresh glass. Kind of rough. He looked at her. This. The situation. I'm sorry to spring it on you. He looked around the room and came back to her eyes. I know it's weird, he said, but I'd hope to run into you. Tobias hadn't stolen Peter away from her those years ago as much as given him an out, the out. He'd already been gone, mentally, physically, geographically later. That was five years ago, a world away in time. She'd minded less the abandonment than her own ignorant denial. Claire was easily duped, the self-deception that believes the lie she knew. She innately trusted, despite her training on matters of provenance, research, authenticity. She wanted to believe people, if not their possessions or acquisitions. She had a perceptive sympathetic emotiveness that ran along with her speculative tendency— or maybe it was an appraising judgmentalism. She was unsure. She and Peter had not had the happiest marriage, but happy enough when one person believed the lie the other lived. Thinking of it now, with Toby suddenly in dilemma here, she remembered how, even after finding out, she didn't want to lose what she did have, even that unhappiness. The moments counted, needed cherishing. In spite of his growing isolation, her dawning realization, their disintegrating relationship, what she hoped to maintain, in some way, 
was her sense of enchantment, illusory, feeble, wrong-headed. No, she really had been happy for a time. What she wanted to remember, by being approachable, by staying in touch, by being civil, by being truly, she hoped, kind, was herself then, however deluded, and herself now, in a temporal coexistence. She'd hoped not to be bitter. She'd hoped not to be like so many couples who'd broken up, who never spoke, who swept aside what they'd had in the acrimony of remorse at time wasted, love squandered. She kept reminding herself of this still, as Toby relied on her shoulder, X to X, as if the threat of becoming bitter mattered. But it did. It might turn her into her sister, an angry educator for whom whimsy was sulfurous and bitterness fueled achievement. It had been hard enough to will herself to move forward without forgetting, than to let down her guard and submit to anger. She wanted to trust herself to be better than she thought she had the capacity for being. And Toby, stranded here like she had been, but differently, of course. He'd only had to learn of Peter's gadfly emotions, if that is what had happened, if that is what they were. She thought so, but she'd been wrong, of course, before. This was different than with her. She'd had to endure the awakening. She'd had to become forgiving. The picture of urbanity, so chic, the X, so art world, kiss-kiss, change partners. She'd become quite blasé about it all. She was sure of it. But she wasn't sure of exactly how that delicacy of avoidance had played into her ongoing emotional life. Claire had liked Tobias, despite herself, had admitted defeat, had moved on. She hadn't expected him to be what he was. She had envisioned a male version of herself. But his groundedness charmed her. It was actually based on reality, rather than her shaky cognizance of the world. Not the work world, but the emotional world. Or to her, perhaps, his reality seemed like a reality that carried more weight than hers, so she succumbed, as it were, to it. Following her divorce, she had kept up with Peter and Tobias, friendly first, as in not crossing the street when seeing them together, friendly later, as in awkward dinner, friendly recently, as in meaning to call. They tended to meet often enough in their circles anyway, at openings, previews, sales. Tobias, a video curator for PS1, Peter, a dealer in antiques. She was an auction house specialist in 19th century paintings and old masters. They could have been designed for living, minus badinage and glamour, joy, insouciance. In any event, Tobias was smart, and somehow, over the years, she became his occasional confidant, X to X, with the occasional Peter mishap or misfire or miscue or whatever. Peter often had to explain himself, and Toby sometimes needed the glossary. Claire sometimes provided the meanings, which was funny now, since she couldn't for the life of her provide them when she was married to him. Toby was often easier to talk to than Peter had been, and Claire had the liberty of no past history to prompt her impatience. He'd sought her advice. 
he'd shown her kindness. The kindness of the vanquisher, but still. She thought, too, that her confidant role was one she played throughout her life, her career even. And she was a confidant who had so little actual regard, she thought, for the essential other humanness of those who chose her for verbal intimacies. She didn't know of her demeanor, a kind of hesitant acceptance of the suggestive other, led people to sense demureness that suggested depth of feeling. She looked around for a place where they could speak. Do you mind, she asked him, leading him back toward the exhibition galleries, which had emptied, the remaining guests drifting toward the reception. She felt comfortable around the drawings, positioned stiffly in their plastic walls in the quieting hall. The lights were low, the yammering gone. So, she said, sitting on one of the benches, tell me what's been going on. The same old humiliation. Somebody else. She waited for him to speak. She would not sympathize with his humiliation, having suffered her own, even if only indirectly through him way back when. She'd been, what, twenty-seven? She'd been young, but too old to be so duped. She felt since then that she'd aged more than her peers, even the married ones, or especially them, with their children and their husbands underfoot. It's been going on a month, he says, longer, I think. Tobias stood and walked on to a drawing, a gathering of instruments, various blades from different angles. He put his hands behind his back and peered, as if suddenly lost in contemplation of the weapons. Claire wondered if the new person would be as much of a surprise to Toby as Toby had been to her. He turned around to face her. A guard ambled by.